Carpe diem. Everybody's familiar with that phrase, right? Carpe diem, which means seize the day. It's taking advantage of an opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity, a now or never opportunity, a do or die opportunity. Has anybody ever experienced something like that? Like, I better buy this now because I'm not going to be able to do this later. It's, it's the deal's too good to pass up. Anybody ever have a situation like that? Okay, you know, for some people, they've, um, some people, they've been able to take that trip to the Bahamas, to some exotic island, because the deal was just too sweet. It was something that they just happened to come across. The, the flight was cheap. The, 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 where you're going to stay was cheap. And you put it all together, and they said, I've got to do this. Uh, some people, it's been a job, a job offer that it's like, it's just too good to pass up. I think about the people who play in major league sports. They're getting offered millions of dollars and it's, I'm loyal to this team, but the money that's offered to me is just too good to pass up. I, I want to have millions and millions of dollars. And so I'm going to leave loyalty to go to this opposing team for the money. It might be the purchase of a vehicle. Uh, it might be something I've, I've experienced one of these in life one of these do or die now or never kinds of moments It was about seven or eight years ago uh, We went to a, a town-wide yard sale uh, Leslie and I did and our friends that we, we have done some things with and uh, It's a whole town. It's like huge. It's like Miles City everybody having a yard sale And we picked we just picked some random street and we parked and we're walking and there's a cul-de-sac full of houses and there's one house in particular that really doesn't look like it has much going on for it. I mean, everybody's not going to stop at that house first. And so I just, on my own, decided I'm going to go walk up to this house. I'm going to give it a little bit of business and who knows. I mean, I'm not a huge yard seller. I don't know a good deal from a bad deal. But God bless me with something. And you will, you'll be stunned. You guys are going to be shocked. And you're going to be jealous of what I discovered. What I found there was Legos. <laughs> There was this great big tote full of Legos, and this guy was just setting these things out. I said, how much do you want for that? He said, 50 bucks. And so I'm like, I knew it was a good deal. I mean, I don't know anything, but I knew it was a good deal. And my kids, huge Lego fans, and I took it to my friend Tyson, who was with us, and he's a guy who collects Legos. I mean, he's got far more Legos than I've ever seen. He's got boxes that he's keeping up on the shelf of, for a collection and for investment someday. He's the CEO of a hospital. He's a numbers guy. And he says, that's worth over $500, what you just got for 50 bucks. So I was pretty excited. Um, even the Lego men, there were 70 little Lego men. So if it's a buck a piece, I saved 20 bucks at least on that. So for my kid's sake, it was too good of a deal to pass up. It was a once in a lifetime. I didn't even ask my wife. I just laid down the money and walked away with my treasure. And I, it was great. My kids appreciated it. You know, in life, we, we come across situations, maybe rarely, uh, carpe diem, where we want to seize the day because it, it deals too good to pass up. But I want to consider a different phrase, and, and then I want you to repeat it back to me, okay? It's carpe, carpe. potestatum. And I'm going to say that a lot today. Carpe potestatum. What in the world does that mean? Well, it says, seize the opportunity. Well, how is carpe diem different from carpe potestatum? 
Well, obviously with carpe diem, it's seizing the moment to enjoy what life has to give you because you don't know when it's going to come around again. Whereas cor corpe or carpe potestatum is making the most of an opportunity to do good while you can. Uh, one, one source that I looked at suggested a few, a few different ideas of what this would look like. Make the phone call when it comes to mind. Offer to pray. Give the money. Volunteer to help. Share the good news. And the idea is looking at everyday situations as, carp, as, a, as a carpe potestatum. It's something that I want to seize the opportunity to do something with. It's not as exotic. It's not as exciting as the vacation or the car or even my Legos. Right? Because I know you're all jealous. But it's something that God can do something much bigger and more impressive things with if we're willing to take that opportunity. And today we find two disciples, Peter and John, who are willing to take the opportunity to help somebody and ultimately use that opportunity to share the gospel uh, as a result of sharing in that opportunity to help somebody. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this, this word. God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the opportunity that you give us to, to be in your house, to worship you, to hear your message, uh, to, to see what John and Peter did, uh, to help a guy out and to share the gospel as a result. God, I pray that we would, moving forward uh, through this message, we would see how we can take opportunities to help people and ultimately get to the opportunity to share our faith with those people. God, I just pray for your words to say, for clarity of thought, for clarity to understand what your message is saying to each one of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter and John, they took this opportunity to carpe potestatum. They seized the opportunity to help somebody. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he, put, he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as to John. Then Peter said, Look at me. Look at us. So the man gave him his full attention expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went out with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Peter and John seized the opportunity. This is just an everyday event, an everyday situation. Nothing out of the normal is happening here. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Every day we're in this habit of doing this. And the baker, this was something that he did every day too. He was put there by the specific gate, by the specific time, so that people who are going to church would feel in this really good mood and say, hey, I want to help this guy out. They're much more generous at those times. And, he's, and so he was put there every day. And this is probably his livelihood. I'm going to be sitting here all day long, hoping people will give me money so that I can survive one more day. And it was at three in the afternoon, one of three specific times that people would go and pray in the temple. Average ordinary people, average ordinary day. 
the disciples, Peter and John, they didn't discuss beforehand, boy, I sure hope we come across some special opportunity to help somebody. They're just going doing what they've already done, and they, voila, here comes this opportunity to get involved in somebody's life. Now think about what Peter and John could have done. Right? They could have said, you know what, buddy, I'm on my way to pray, so maybe when I come back out, I'll help you. Because obviously, three in the afternoon, a special and specific time to pray, they could have said, we'll get back to you later. They could have just ignored this. I didn't hear this. I'm just going to keep walking and hope somebody else takes care of this situation. Maybe somebody else is going to have something they can give. Or maybe they said, you know what? Next time, buddy, look. Look at my pockets. I can prove to you. I have absolutely nothing in my pockets. I mean, it even says silver and gold I don't have. And so they could have said, you know what? I have absolutely nothing that I can do to help you. But right then and there, they did what they could. They didn't hesitate. They didn't consider. They didn't try to pawn it off onto somebody else. They took it upon themselves to do something. Peter grabbed him by the hand, yanked him to his feet, and this guy could walk. Obviously, that took a lot of faith. It took a lot of faith on the part of Peter to think this was going to take place. And in that process, this guy's feet, his ankles became strong, and he's able to move. You know, had, had that not happened, Peter would have looked like a jerk instead of a hero. He would have pulled the guy up, and the guy would have fell down right on his face. But they did what they could. They carpe potestatum. They took advantage of the situation. You and I can carpe potestatum. We can take advantage of the situation. The situations are there. And they have probably always been there. You don't have to look hard to find one. Uh, sometimes they're staring you right in the face. It's just a matter of if you're willing to take the steps to get involved. Uh, the guys with the definition that I mentioned before talked about making the phone call. You know, maybe there's somebody on your mind that you've been thinking for weeks or days, hey, I better call this person. I need to call this person, and I need to encourage this person. Carpe potestatum. Take advantage of that thought right then and there and call them. You come across somebody who needs prayer. Carpe potestatum. Take advantage of that need that you see that they have and say, hey, look, Todd, let's pray about this right now. You, you, you come across, you get a support letter in the mail. Yep, I can look at this and I can put it on the shelf and I can forget about this. Or I can carpe potestatum. I can take advantage of this opportunity. Volunteering to help at VBS. There's a meeting today at 1 o'clock if you'd like to go. But ultimately, carpe potestatum. Take the opportunity to share the good news. Now, you guys live in your worlds. You guys know what your worlds are like. They're different from mine. You go to different jobs. You, you go to different places. You talk to different people. I really don't need to suggest ways to you how you can get involved in somebody's life because you already know. You see them on a regular basis, and people see that in your life as well. Whether they get involved or not, I don't know. But the opportunities are really there. You just have to be the person who says, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get involved. And that opportunity to get involved, to help in somebody's life, is not an opportunity. I mean, it's actually, it actually is, but it's not supposed to be an opportunity to make myself look good. You know, because if I, if I make the phone call and I give the money and, and I volunteer to help at VBS, a lot of people might look and say, hey, wow, look how great Josh is. You know, he's, he's such a giving guy. He's so thoughtful. He calls and he texts. 
and all these kinds of things. But it's not supposed to be about, hey, look at me. It should be an opportunity to do what Peter did. Peter took advantage of the opportunity to share Jesus. Acts chapter uh, 3, verses 9 through 12. So following the healing of this lame man, quite a commotion took place. Uh, it says, in verse 8, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened. So you have this guy who has never been able to walk. Since birth, he's been carried around like a little baby, and he's probably been pushed in some kind of little stroller and, and sit on this mat, and that's all he gets to do. He just gets to sit there. He's never taken one step in his life. And then all of a sudden, what's he doing? He's laughing. He's jumping. He's, he's praising God. He's busting every dance move that there is because he's so excited that he's able to do this. And what is everybody else doing? Did you see who that was? I remember that guy sitting there in the, by the temple gates. We gave him money yesterday. And it's, it's causing quite a stir and a uh, commotion. And everybody's rushing from everywhere. You know, I'm, I'm praying. All of a sudden, I'm not praying anymore because I got to go see what is going on. People were filled with wonder and amazement. They came running from everywhere to see what was going on. And Peter and John did not miss the golden opportunity First of all, to give credit to Jesus. Uh, verse 12, it says, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why, do you, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? He said, we didn't do this. We in ourselves have no ability to help people walk. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. God is using us to do this miracle to give Jesus glory. And Peter and John are, are giving full credit, disclaimer, hey, this was not me. This was not us who did this. This was God working through us in order to prove and to give credit to Jesus. Had Peter said nothing, if he would have said, oh, you're welcome, you know, yep, that was a pretty cool thing, I'm, enjoy your walk, uh, you know, a lot of people would have flocked to Peter and John. They would have been by their side forever. What can you do for me? Kind of like when Jesus did miracles, people came from everywhere with every problem that they had, and they followed Jesus to say, hey, Jesus, what can you do for me? Peter could have had such a huge following, but Peter's goal was not to bring credit to himself. Peter's goal was to bring credit to Jesus. Not everybody's willing to do that, but I, that's exactly what Peter did. And Peter admitted in verse 16. He says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. He's clarifying, saying, hey, look, guys, this isn't me. This wasn't us. Please don't look at us as if by some power or some special ability we had. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God working through us to accomplish this miracle, to prove, to give credit, to give all the attention and all the focus to Jesus, which they were more than happy to do. And I, I wonder, you know, in today's world, we should do the same thing. We should give credit to Jesus for what we do. And you might be thinking the same thing like, well, how would that work? 
how would that look? <laughs> how do I give Jesus credit for something that I do? Because obviously, anything I do is not going to be that special. I'm not going to help a lame man walk. Um, I'm not going to do anything that's that life-changing. I mean, I can help change a tire. You know, I can help um, rake somebody's yard. I can help drive somebody somewhere. But giving Jesus credit for that is it might feel kind of funny, right? It might feel kind of odd to do that. But maybe that's what we should really be doing. And so what would that look like? Well, if somebody's, you do something nice for somebody and they say, why are you doing that? Well, you could just say, I'm just doing what Jesus wants me to do. Right? That would obviously be pointing the attention to Jesus. It would be taking the attention off of me and giving credit where it's supposed to go. If somebody tells me thanks for doing something, I could just say, I'm just passing it along the love of Jesus. Now, I haven't tried that yet. I've had opportunity, and it's like it wasn't there in my brain because always when uh, someone tells me thank you, I just say, you're welcome. That's what we grow up doing, saying, you're welcome, you're welcome. Uh, but I'm going to try, if I can do this, to, to say, hey, I'm just passing along the love of Jesus, giving Jesus credit, because really, it's going to, that's what I should be doing. And that's probably going to give me a lot of funny looks, right? If you do that, people are going to look at you funny, like, okay, what's Jesus have to do with this? You're just passing along the love of Jesus? Well, what does that mean? Well, I can say, you know what? Jesus loved me. Jesus proved it. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. He rose again so that I could have eternal life. He, he provides me with everything that I have, and I want to show you the same kind of love that he gave me. They might never want to talk to me again or accept help from me ever again. <laughs> I don't know. But it would be a good idea if we could pass on the credit to, to Jesus that he is entitled to. And, and if you do, you might be able to do exactly what Peter did. Peter passed on the, the, the uh, credit to Jesus, but Peter took advantage of the situation even more. Peter chose to share the gospel with them. And through the course of the conversation of what's written in Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, we find that Peter does that. Uh, he, he shares the good, the bad, and the ugly news with these people. The first he shares that with them is the ugly news. And this is really ugly. I mean, Peter's got guts in order to put this this way. But Acts chapter 3, verse 13, it says... Uh, verse B, 13b says, this is your fault. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. He says, you guys were the ones who were responsible for putting Jesus on the cross. And that was just a couple months ago, right? Because Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days. Then you had 10 days uh, until the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples are practicing church like we looked at the last five weeks. So as they're living through life, it's only been a couple of months, I believe, since Jesus has died. So this is very fresh in these people's minds. And he's right. He says, this is your fault, you guys. He says, uh, if we look back in Matthew chapter 27, verses 20 to 22, you find that this is the situation uh, that Peter is referring to. Matthew chapter 27, verses 20 to 22. Matthew 27, 20 to 22. 
It says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Well, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. And they all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was of starting, he took water, he washed his hands in front of the crowds, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. All these people had probably decided beforehand, well, we get to release somebody, Jesus or Barabbas, it would be better to release Jesus, you know, because uh, Barabbas was a really wicked person. But all the, 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 the Pharisees, they stirred up the crowds to say, hey, we want to let Barabbas go instead. And they agreed. They said, yes, let Barabbas go instead. Crucify Jesus. So Peter is rightfully saying, this is your fault. You guys are the ones who decided that this should take place. Very ugly news. But then he softens the blow a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. I just call this the bad news. He says, this was prophesied as it taking place. It says, Now you fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. The Old Testament has passages that talk about how Jesus is going to suffer um, as, our, as our Savior uh, before he gets to the cross and while he's on the cross. Uh, one place that's in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verse 7. If you want to read all about the suffering of Jesus, that's a great place to look. I just picked out a verse. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus was going to the cross, totally unguilty, undeserving of the punishment he was getting, but he did not say a word. He didn't bite back. He didn't cry out. He didn't curse at these people. He just took our punishment. It was prophesied that this was going to take place. And that's something that Peter is explaining to these people. It was written in the past. This was going to happen. But then Peter also gives the good news. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 26. He says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from his people. Verse 24 says, Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of all, all of the covenant God made with your, for, your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So there's a lot of really good news in that passage that I just read. 
First, he talks about how they need to repent and they need to turn to God. Repent is to go the opposite direction. You're saying, get rid of that sin in your life and turn to Jesus. It's that easy. It's not that you've got to try to fulfill this great big list of to-do things. It's as simple as saying, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to trust you as my Savior. I'm going to walk in the ways of Jesus. I'm going to trust Him as my Savior. Pretty, pretty good deal, right? It's, it's going from death to life. If you repent and turn to God, he says, your sins will be wiped out. They will be wiped clean. You know, I bet we all have memories of sins in our brains, right? Of things that I did, that I said, that are there, that are haunting me from time to time. Those are going to go away. They're going to be wiped out. You're not going to remember those. They're going by the wayside forever. And God's going to look at you and say, hey, your sins completely clean, completely wiped out. And this is what Peter's telling these people. This is the good news. He says times of refreshing may come. You know, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign. Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 through 19 says, Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The formal things will, be, will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever. And what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and the people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Nobody's going to get up here and bawl like a baby because of some sad news he has, right? Nobody's going to be sad. The memory of what you've done is going to be gone. Those, those, the horror stories that you have in your life and that you've heard of, that you've experienced, those things, are you're not going to remember them. It's only going to be joyful. It's only going to be wonderful forever. And that's what Peter's telling these people. Yes, you guys did this. You put him to the cross. Yes, it was foretold. But he says, here is the good news. Jesus is the good news. And, and Peter took advantage of the opportunity. Carpe potestatum. He took advantage of the opportunity to do the right thing, to help somebody. But he also took advantage of the opportunity to share Jesus with these people. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing, to take advantage of the opportunity to share Jesus with people. Uh, and when you share Jesus with people, you know, it's, it's not a matter, we looked at this quote last week, you, when you evangelize, it doesn't mean that people are getting saved. It just means that you are sharing the good news about Jesus. Whatever the results are, it's not up to you. It doesn't matter as far as you're concerned. You tell people the good news, and then leave the results up to God. And we looked at last week, lots of different things about it, how we're all called to do it, how God will bless us for the part that we do. We just have to make sure that we are willing to open up our mouths and share the good news. Now, you might be like Peter. You know, Peter was pretty bold, don't you think? Saying that it's your guys' fault that this happened. That probably wouldn't go so well in America today. You know, if you said, you're a sinner and you're going to hell, that, that probably wouldn't work. But you might find yourself in that kind of situation. Uh, it, it'll depend on the situation. I've told you about talking to somebody next door uh, when we first got here. 
It was pretty much that quick, that blunt. We just dropped off goodies, and all of a sudden, God, the, the door opened wide, and it was like, here you go. Here's the gospel. Just be, for doing something nice, just taking advantage of an opportunity. And that might be the case. And I hope that you are prepared, and you know what you want to say if that happens. But it might be something that you develop over time. You give Jesus credit for doing something nice, uh, like as Peter did. And it might just be like something where people just look at you different. But over the course of time, they go through life and they have tough situations. They say, I'm going to Anita. She told me she did it in Jesus' name. I know that name, Jesus. I'm going to her, and I want to see what does she think about this. And through the course of Anita's conversation, she can say, you know what? I've experienced that peace that you want because Jesus gave it to me. I've experienced that hope in spite of what's going on in the world around me because she stepped into somebody's life. She got intertwined. She was able to help them. Now she has that uh, ability to speak that truth into her life. But it all started with getting involved with carpe potent can't even say it now anymore um, <laughs> potestatum she, she took advantage of the opportunity and doing something nice now she's earned the opportunity and the right to share Jesus with them and if you're going to share Jesus with them I want to go over one more time for the thousandth time what is it that people need to know now, people need to know what we find in Romans 3.23, that they are a sinner. You say the pastor is a sinner if you want to. Even he is a sinner. The Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. At some point, people really need to know that they've done something wrong. Because if they can't get to that point, they won't get any farther. For why do they need Jesus if they haven't done anything wrong? They need to know that because you've sinned, you cannot get to heaven. Your good things, even if they're better than everybody else in Plevna and Baker combined, is not enough to get them to heaven. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But they also need to know the good news, right? That's a lot of weight to have to carry the bad news of you're a sinner and you need a Savior. But the good news is that God loved you. He proved it. He demonstrated a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. You know, nobody here was alive at that point. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the punishment for your sin 2,000 years before you were even born. That's love. That's what Jesus did in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, it's not that you're saying some magical prayer or some magical words. When you say, Jesus, you are Lord, then you are, if you're believing in your heart, God knows that. He looks and says, that is faith. And I'm going to accept that person as a part of my family. They need to know that you just repent and turn to God and your sins will be wiped out. Uh, Todd read it in the, the scripture reading. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God's going to separate our sins from us. That's amazing. You know, people run around with a lot of guilt. They don't need to because God has forgiven us. He's, he's separated that from us. He's not looking at us as if we're wicked, awful sinners anymore. He's looking at us as if we are forgiven, as if we are not guilty because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. The world needs to know that. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what age they are. They need to know that this is for them. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
Anybody who's willing to do that, Jesus wants to save them and he will save them. The good news is for you. The good news is for me. It's for everybody. It's just a matter of if we're willing to open up our mouth and to say the words. So as you go through your week, you might find yourself with carpe diem, an opportunity to seize the day. And if you do, please tell me. If you get a, an exotic vacation, if you get a job offer, if you get a new pickup, or you get a tote full of Legos, I want to know about it, okay? Carpe diem, seize the day. Enjoy life while you can. But I want you to remember also, carpe potestatum, seize the opportunity to do good while you can. Be encouraged to get involved in people's lives and do what you can. Make the phone call. Offer to pray with somebody. Give the money. Volunteer to help at VBS. Share the good news. Every opportunity that you're in, whether it seems like it's this big or this dramatic, every opportunity that we face is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus, either by what we do or by what we saved. The conclusion of today's message, I want you to say it with me. Carpe potestatum. Let's carpe potestatum. One more time. Carpe potestatum. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you've given us the opportunity to be in your house to worship you. God, to see Peter and John demonstrate so well uh, the love that you gave them to, to show with other people that they were able to heal this lame man. And they didn't just stop there with letting people think how great they were, but they gave you the credit for what you did through them. Because obviously they could not have done it on their own. God, I pray for us that you'd help us to, to carpe potestatum, to take advantage of the opportunities that you put in our life. We don't know where it's going to lead. We don't know what we're going to end up saying. But God, we know that they are from you. So please help us to, to give you the credit and to do what you've asked us to do in those situations. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.